Hey everyone, this is Daniel Rubino from Windows Central, and you're listening to the Nokia Chronicles podcast with Adrian and Justin. And I'm the special guest, I guess, this week. How are you guys doing? We're fantastic. Thanks Very for uh, coming on, Daniel. That's uh, what a great intro, Adrian. It is. It is. <laughs> I do <laughs> so the, of our own podcast, so I, I have some practice in this. <laughs> that is sensational. I love that. All right, so I'll get to the first question, Daniel. So um, strap your seatbelt in. When Nokia sure came on board, <laughs> all right. So when Nokia came on board with Windows Phone, did you think then it'd be competitive with Android and iOS? This is a really fun question. So being in the United States, I had only heard of Nokia. They were sold like in Best Buy and you know, but they weren't sold through carriers. So I never had any direct experience with them. I just kind of knew they were out there and they were this other kind of thing. They're like little computers. They slid, they had keyboards. And so it was really, it was foreign for me when Nokia came on board. Cause it's like, I've heard of these guys, they have a great reputation, but I don't know, they look kind of cool. All I knew was the community seemed very excited and everybody was making a big deal about it. And it seems like a good deal to me. And so I was pretty excited about it. Um, in terms of them coming in and dominating as much as they did, I didn't really see that because if you remember when Windows Phone 7 launched, at least, you know, it was Samsung, it was HTC, it was LG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was really the big hitters at the time all had phones, especially on AT&T where they primarily launched during that time. And, you know, it, it seemed hard that a company would didn't kind of come in and disrupt that. But boy, did Nokia do it. And this was something we talked about, it must have been around 2012 or 2013, where Nokia was getting too good. <laughs> so, and by that, I meant they became so popular and they were getting so much access to sort of exclusive apps and their cameras were getting so well known that they pushed out Samsung, LG, and uh, HTC. And that was fine right up until it wasn't. And then there was no other competition, and it became like a one-man game. And that, that was kind of the, the issue, I think, with uh, you know Nokia. It was almost a little too good. And then, of course, Microsoft bought them, and then things went you know downhill really quickly. Well, it's a quick history. Well, that actually sort of follows up with one of uh, Adrian's questions later on, actually. So, uh, yeah, that's the thing. They did, they became too prominent, as as you said, Daniel, and uh, no one else wanted to make them anymore. Yeah, it's, um, in my history with this goes back, you know, pretty far. It was covering Windows Mobile back in 2007 and up through that period. So, I just remember the whole transition phase and Nokia was super exciting. And they were also just, and, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too much here because I know you guys probably have other questions, but they were such a breath of fresh air to deal with, too. They had, hands down, the best PR of any company I ever dealt with um, in terms of outreach, in terms of knowledge. They always made their engineers, the people who actually worked on that, the camera or maybe on the display or the speakers, the microphones, they actually had those people available that you could talk to. And they were just such a... Um, it was such a different company to deal with. It was just a lot of a lot of fun. And that's always what, you know, I remember best about them and working with them was that they were just a, a really overall great company. All right. They are a good company. Well, they were a good company. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same under HMD Global. <laughs> no, it's just a skeleton of itself these days. It is. Are we starting up with the bashing again, are we, <laughs> Justin? Yes, every week, every week. Every week we uh, give the HMD Global a ribbing. <laughs> right. It's fair. It's fair. It's <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to my question. So, um, bit of a deviation here, Daniel, but uh, please tell the yep. listeners about your podcast and obviously Windows Central. Sure. So, Windows Central actually goes way back to Windows Mobile Experts, WM Experts, which was started around, well, it's like 2007 as forums. I think it was around 2009 where we started the blog, the front page where we covered news. Um, you know, my history goes way back to 2004, I want to say, maybe 2003 even, back when PDAs and Windows mobile devices were kind of the thing. And so I was very active on forums, XDA, PPC Geeks, Sprint Users, PDA Phone Home, uh, all of those. And Trio Central, of course, eventually came along. 
And so I just been sort of part of that scene for a long time helping people. I was under the name Al Testa. A lot of people knew me back then as what I used to post under. And uh, so that's where I started off. And then it got into, you know, when, and that was back when PDAs were just, when they got Wi-Fi, it was a big deal. Like Wi-Fi was an option. A lot of these devices it was weird. Uh, you would literally just unplug them from your computer and take them with you. It's a little portable computer kind of thing, but it had no connectivity because Wi-Fi really wasn't a thing back in 2003. Um, so was, my dream was when those devices basically merged with cellular. And, you know, for me, the first device with that was the PPC 6700. And of course, the Trio 650 was also amazing. And then uh, that's for me, when I first held that device, I was like, this is the future. I'm like, this is amazing. This is a handheld computer, the display, it's got a keyboard, it connects to the internet, which was barely existing back then. Uh, you know, you get GPS, which also barely existed. And all my friends had no idea like why this would be a big deal they're like just email when you get home who cares you know <laughs> like uh, and so that's w experts turn into that and that's what we were covering at the time and eventually windows mobile came along then we transitioned to windows phone central uh obviously with windows phone 7 came out and then it was around i think 2014 we saw the writing on the wall you know phones themselves and windows phone was kind of declining a bit but also microsoft was ramping up its vision of Xbox and Windows. And so we decided to expand. So we renamed our site to Windows Central. And my tasks since then, I've been, I was the editor in chief, I'm now executive editor, uh, was to basically build up the staff around that. So we've actually hired Jez Corden and Zach Bowden. And we've been, and now our staff is huge actually. And we just cover everything, Windows, we cover mobile still, we do holographic, a lot of Surface, PCs, laptops, all that kind of stuff. So. It just happens that, especially in 2020, 2021, computers, which everybody thought was dead, is now a big thing. And now we're seeing this real merger of computers and phones and all this kind of stuff. And it's just it's a great time to be into this tech. And yeah, we do the podcast every Friday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on uh, our YouTube channel at Windows Central. We do it live. It's also available on recording and all that, where we just talk about what's happened with Microsoft, Windows, laptops. And it's very much insider stuff, but it's also general audience. Anyone can kind of jump in and learn things. It's also, you know, what Microsoft is planning. We talk about rumors as well as our own sourcing. That's it's really good at doing. You must have been about five years old when you st when you started all this up, Daniel. Or I'm super old. <laughs> Dude, that's really the latter. I'm, yeah, I'm actually, I just turned 44. So, but uh, yeah, I've been covering this for a long time. So it's... It was all accidental, too. I didn't sign up to do this initially. I was in grad school. I was going to be a linguistics professor and had other plans, but shiny objects <laughs> distract. And uh, they do. It fell. I just, yeah. So, but no regrets. No regrets. That's good. All right. Over to me. So, or, so Nokia may not have actually, no. So, that was Adrian's question. So, uh, did Microsoft have too much control over Nokia, do you think, Daniel? Like, re, were they told to cancel products like the 8-inch uh, Windows RT tablet, you know, the Lumia 2020 or the Moonraker watch, which, look, I think, looked fantastic? Yes. So, this gets into some muddy waters, obviously. Um, you know, Nokia operated on their own for a long time. And I always found it fascinating with like the Lumia 1020 it was a great story where they developed that amazing camera. But they did that without Microsoft's knowledge. And like, had Microsoft kind of known about it, they said they would have actually done a lot more on the software side to kind of help them. And so there was a disconnect between the two companies for a long time, which you think would have been solved when Microsoft acquired Nokia. But, uh, you know, that time got really contentious between the two companies. I know a lot of, you know, there was a lot of concern from Nokia employees, and I think rightly justified that Microsoft, you know, how were they going to acquire them? Like, what does that mean? Do they leave everything intact? Just let Nokia operate as it is, but as a subsidiary? Or does Microsoft absorb them, uh, get rid of redundancy, and really try to take over operations? And it seems like it was really that latter thing that happens. Now, I know a lot of the people that worked at Nokia that became very unhappy with under Microsoft and basically left. I also don't know, you know, Nokia's issue too with the Lumia series, which in my opinion peaked around the Lumia 920, 1020, 1520 series. I think those were absolutely astounding phones. They're just absolutely my favorite. When you get to the 30s though, things started, I thought, going downhill. My problem with Nokia was they started changing things a little bit too much for the um, sake of changing. Instead of riding on 
really good designs that they had. As to who's to blame for some of these cancellations and stuff like that, yeah, I do believe, you know, when it came to the RT stuff, that gets really, you know, RT was a mess. There's just no doubt about it. And I think by the time Nokia was getting ready to really bring their another device onto market, even don't forget Microsoft canceled their its own Surface Mini, right? Days True. before it was yep. supposed to launch. And that was because it was RT. It only had, um, had very little RAM. I think it only had a gigabyte of RAM. And this was a time when Microsoft was like, uh, we're going to move to this thing called Windows 10. This was internally, of course. We're going to get rid of RT and we're going to, we're changing everything. And basically those devices, had they been released, would have been uh, dead on arrival. They would not be able to get Windows 10. And that's a terrible position to be in. That Microsoft finds itself in, by the way, that position quite often. Uh, so I think it was all right to cancel some of that. In terms of like Moonraker and like the watch, you know, obviously they, yeah, they had Microsoft Band at the time, right? And so I, I could see, you know, why they maybe didn't want two stories to tell there. That said, it would have been super cool to see what Nokia was doing. I always believe Nokia's hardware. And don't forget, Band was neat. Band was a really neat project that was a side project of Xbox. It was never under surface. It was supposed to be a wearable that you wore for exercise while using Kinect, but it grew into a whole separate thing. Um, but... You know, for me, it really comes down to, of course, is the, um, you know, the Lumia flagship that was canceled, which now I'm even forgetting its its uh, nickname. It's been so long. The one with the 3D touch display. We're uh, getting to that one, Daniel. <laughs> okay, get... I'll hold that one. Yeah, so that one I do have a lot to say on too. So, I, I you know, I'm not a fan of, I understand why Microsoft acquired Nokia. I'm definitely not a fan of how Microsoft acquired Nokia. I think it went down very badly. I think a lot of employees were burnt. I think a lot of employees moved, were kind of basically told to move to Redmond in that area if they wanted to keep their jobs. And who would want to do that, right? I, I like America. It's all right. It has its, it has its perks. <laughs> like if I was, you know, you know, living in Europe, I'd be like, I don't know. I kind of like my life here. It's a, that's a big thing. That's a big ask, right? Of um, course. So I wasn't a fan of how that went down. And I have to agree with you. I had a Microsoft Band too, and I uh, actually loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I still use, believe it or not, Daniel, uh, Lumia 2520. So I actually don't mind RT as a tablet. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it, it has its role. And it was, I mean, it was amazing hardware. That was always a, the tell with Nokia. It was just the hardware was always so good to use. The band was, I loved the band. I thought it was amazing. I, I'm upset that they canceled it. They canceled it for a few reasons. Sales, competition, that custom display, that curved display is made by Samsung was very expensive. But basically, they were selling them at a loss because of how expensive the components were. Um, and they also broke a lot. Those yeah, bands ripped a bands, lot. Yeah, I know. And so they had a high return rate. And so that's a tough sell to go back to your boss at the end of the quarter and be like, well, <laughs> they cost a lot to make. We've had a ton of returns and Fitbit and everybody else is in this category. I still think they should have kept at it, though. I thought it was a um, – they were ahead years in some of those areas. I yeah, think. they were. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. All right, Adrian, okay. over to you, mate. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. You might have touched on this earlier anyway, uh, Daniel, but Nokia may not have been prominent in the US as they were in other regions of the world. And uh, what's your opinion on Nokia's checkered history in America? Great question. Yeah, definitely true. As I mentioned on the outset, Nokia was unknown to me when, you know, Microsoft or started working with them with Windows Phone. I mean, I had heard of them, had seen devices, but I didn't know anyone that used them. And that's a big story in the United States because it was a tough sell. No matter how good they were, how cool they looked, they were just not known as well known as Samsung and LG and others and HTC. And this was HTC's prime, right? This is when HTC was breaking free of being a manufacturer for others and was coming to its own. And so the problem Nokia had was building carrier relations in the United States, getting those deals. And it was a dirty, dirty game. Everybody knows this in the US to get those deals. That's where you had these stupid exclusives, which have thankfully waned since then. But back then, you know, Verizon would get an exclusive and T-Mobile would get an exclusive. So if you really wanted that cool Nokia phone, you'd have to switch to T-Mobile. And it made reviewing devices very difficult too. Um, and it was a tough sell at the time. They made all these weird shady deals to kind of, and then AT&T course stepped in and was just like shoved everyone out of the way and basically took everything as much as they could in terms of exclusives. And that left a sour taste. I think they had a tough time. Um, it was a different operating system, you know, Windows Phone. And then it was a different hardware manufacturer that were both kind of unknown to well, those in the US. And I think that definitely did impact 
sales perception and knowledge from consumers, uh, which is a bit of a shame because I think we all agree here that Nokia's hardware was often way better than what Samsung and LG and HTC were doing at the time. And, um, you know, the colors and all that, it was a very bold strategy that Nokia took. Uh, and it was cool. It was fun, but it was a tough sell against, uh, you know, the iPhone and eventually Android. So it was, um, well, you know, obviously more living there in America, but it seems that, you know, the US is a, is, is a big market and uh, to an extent dictates, you know, what the rest of the world will see as, you know, trends in, in phones and all that. Yeah, it didn't help with Sprint being, and Verizon at the two were CDMA. So that was a challenge for Nokia trying to learn. They weren't that familiar with doing CDMA compared to GSM at the time. Uh, mm. All this was played a role into it. Luckily, today, things are drastically different, right? Now, CDMA is mostly dead. Everything is kind of open and locked now. You can just drop SIMs in and things work. It's a much better market. But back then, it was just, it was, it was gross, you know? And it was, it was a shame because I think Nokia really had a tough time navigating. And making those deals were hard. Like, you just can't go in. Like, we have this cool phone. It was a lot of money being, you know, put on the table between the companies. And it was just... Uh, it was a sh not a way that they were familiar with, with doing business. It was the wrong way to do business too. Well, do you think now, there's a, just as an off question, Daniel, if yeah. Windows Phone was released now with the carriers not being, well, not as strict with the carriers, do you think it would have a better chance or not? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the market now because there's um, you get you can sell an unlocked phone right now and it's not an issue, right? Pixel does it, and you got to thank Apple for doing that a lot of times. You know, they were the first ones to start really pushing, you know, to break away from the carriers. As much as I I like to tease Apple, you know, they really did, especially in hindsight, really did change the industry and made it better for what it is. So I think it would, it's still, <laughs> you know, I think it's still very hard to release a phone in 2020 or 2021 and break free of the duopoly that is Android and uh, iOS. But there's, there is that ability now. You can do Kickstarters and create your own phone, right? And it doesn't need to reach mass market. You could just do small releases. I mean, Microsoft is kind of doing this now with Surface Duo. They're not anticipating that device to be like some huge iPhone killer. It's supposed to be a sort of a niche game-changing device, but they're selling it in a low volume. And they can kind of do that because they can sell direct now, right? So they don't actually need to go through carriers. And so there is that aspect. So yeah, it, it would be nice if they, they could have an easier time. In, in some ways, an easier your time today than they did back then but there are other new challenges now that they would have to face too mm -hmm. all right so uh, over to me daniel so do you believe it was a mistake releasing the lumia 900 so close to the launch of windows phone 8 without being able to upgrade to windows phone 8 it was in hindsight i guess the you know sub question would be did nokia know about that <laughs> ah, <laughs> my understanding okay. they, i don't i don't think they knew i don't think they knew that was going to be the case i think there was a lot of Maybe, maybe you could, maybe we don't know, you know, and that was, this is gets at the bigger story about why Windows Phone failed, right? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I know people want one reason, be like, oh, I just point to that and that was it. But there were a ton of problems. One of them was this releasing a phone makes a big splash. Oh, sorry, we've got a new version of the operating system coming out. And that phone is now you know, EOL, uh, that's a tough sell. And they did that twice, kind of, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, that's right. Eight to 10 also was a reset. Not as dramatic, but it was still, you know, something. They had Windows 7.8, which was, hey, Windows 7.8 was a nice fig leaf to try to like, we'll do something <laughs> for you. Um, at least they tried. But this was, you know, it's like, I, this is where I feel Nokia sometimes got used a little bit by Microsoft. You know, I feel like they, they weren't in the loop on this stuff, um, didn't know fully what was happening. But also Microsoft was sort of, you know, my criticism of Windows Phone in general goes all the way back to Balmer and Gates, who, and that isn't some weird, like, conspiracy theory. They've said this publicly in recent interviews. Their biggest regrets was missing the phone revolution. And I think it was mm -hmm. kind of dumb of them to miss it. I thought it was back when I was playing with a PDA in 2003. It's like, this is the future, handheld computers. Yep. <laughs> and Microsoft was already there. So they kind of knew about it. But their focus was Windows at the time, both in trying to keep Windows going and trying to put out the dumpster fire that was Windows Vista. And so they had all their resources sunk into that. And they didn't devote any resources to the next and coming. And that just set a cycle of these constant resets. You know, the Windows Phone 7 to Windows 8 thing was because as cool as Windows Phone 7 was, you know, how neat it looked, um, 
It was built on a very old CE stack. And that stack was already like 10 years old, I think, at the time. And it was only going, like, it, it were unable to go forward with new technologies that were coming out. If they wanted to do new versions of Bluetooth and it, all the new stuff that was coming out at this time, that system was just not built for it. And this is what happens when we don't plan in advance, right? iOS was built from the ground up and it was completely flexible and open to all these new things. Windows Phone 7 was at its core still Windows Mobile, Windows CE. It just had a different front end to it, which yeah. looked really nice. So then when Windows Phone 8 came out, they that's what they did. They reset the, the, the kernel for it. Uh, and that happened further again with Windows 10 as they tried to merge Windows Desktop with Windows Mobile. Uh, but this is what happens when you don't plan something out. We don't, there's no instance where iOS was reset. There was no instance where Android was reset. So their OEM partners never had to face this challenge where OEM partners and Microsoft faced it twice. <laughs> it was just, it was, that's a tough sell. It's just a, that's just poor, poor planning, you know? Yep. All right, Adrian. All right, on to me. So, I saw a video on YouTube where a fan <laughs> has made his own USB lever cuff inspired by the ones you used to wear in your videos. So, what's the story oh, behind this cuff and have you made any other fashionable tech items? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that comes from a friend of mine up in Canada who was wearing one and he got it from uh, a guy who like owns a farm, I guess, and makes like leather goods and he takes the leftover scraps and created basically a bracelet. And then the bracelet had a thumb drive and it looked like a piece of jewelry. And it was cool because it's a wearable thumb drive. And if you think about how we use technology today, you just plug it to computer, you can carry docs with you. It's pretty flexible, right? So like you can do a lot with this. And so that's, that's it. That's the story. I still have it. I still wear it on occasion. It's, um, I like functional technology. I've always been into military clothing for that reason, too. It looks cool, but it's also like, here's an extra pocket and here's a pocket for this device. And like, I like this idea of like functional wearable technology. And so that was kind of a reflection of that. But I can't say I have any other fashions that have caught on to the industry. <laughs> but I'd love to see more of it. I the Microsoft Band was a really cool, you know, to return to that was a really cool version of this because like you can wear it with a screen on the inside of your wrist which was so like the opposite of where everything has gone. You know, everything's been trying to make it look like a watch. And, and band was like, no, nah, we're going to do something completely different. And I always loved, you know, my thing with the band was the social interaction. When you have a smartwatch and you have a notification, you have to like bring it up to your face and look at it like you're checking the time. Everybody knows this. The problem is if you're in a conversation with someone out in public, it looks like that's the universal sign for I'm bored. Is this conversation almost done? And it's a weird thing, but it's like with band, you didn't have that because you could just look on the inside of your wrist. And so I just kind of love these little social interaction changes you can have with technology and depending on how you designed it. And um, so that's just my short rip there on a <laughs> wearable functional technology, I suppose. And I agree with you with the, regarding pants and pockets, uh, Daniel. I'm a dad and I've, I love cargo pants. Oh, absolutely. I think Lee Jeans now <laughs> has a, a pair of jeans I saw the other day. They have a top pocket and it's built just for smartphones. So you just it just slides in uh, and it's like top top accessible instead of like a full pocket. I'm just like, yeah, exactly. Like we should all have smartphone pockets on our pants at this point, right? Yeah, we don't want to scratch our phones against keys or coins or anything like that. Just absolutely. Phone. Yeah. Totally. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we, we sort of I had to stop you before, Daniel. Uh, so now the question comes on to, were you disappointed when McLaren was cancelled and did you have much hopes with the 3D touch nature of the phone? Let me talk about the 3D touch at first. Um, so this was a really interesting technology. Again, I think a lot of the history of Windows Phone and Nokia and everything were gambles. Let's try something new here. And I think it was worth the gamble to see if it was going to be um, you know, work in the market. That said, I don't think it really would have made much of a difference. I think it would have gotten a lot of headlines. It was kind of cool. But we've seen Android phones kind of do this too, even with the sensor and the pixel that where you hover your hand over it. Uh, Sol Solray, I forgot what the name of that was. Solly, yeah, uh, Solly. Sally, yeah, it kind of went nowhere, right? Because as cool as that stuff seems to be, it's like how a dual screen phone seems like a great idea. Sometimes in, in action and in practice, it actually isn't that convenient. Um, I still would think it would have been fun to try. I think it would have made headlines and I think it would have 
brought an interest, which is kind of in a lot of ways the point, right? Um, when McLaren got canceled, I'll never forget that day because I got the news. I contacted Microsoft because I was going to write the article up and I just want to give them a heads up, see if they had any uh, comments on it. And I remember they were like, damn, you got good sources because apparently that was like really new internally to them. Um, I was devastated when I heard that. Not because, I mean, the phone would have been cool and all that kind of stuff, but I knew what that meant. I knew that this was... When you cancel your flagship phone, there's no plan B. <laughs> like, yeah, they yeah. didn't have another flagship phone. Like, oh, we'll just do release this one instead, right? Like, back at that time, phone cadence was still not as rapid as it is today, right? It was still like a year and a half sometimes before a new phone would come out. Now it's like, boom, it's 10 months. You got to announce your new phone, right? It, it's much quicker. Um, I knew that was Microsoft's biggest partner with Windows Phone. We had heard rumors about this. We've been seeing this stuff on 3D Touch. And then to have it canceled so close to its launch, I knew this was going to be like the downhill trend of Windows Phone. I, and I think I wrote at the time about this because it was like there was no follow-up. And so with it, that's when they actually went with the HTC One, uh, the One M8. That's what it was, which was a great phone. Great. It was such cool hardware. It was no Nokia, though. The camera wasn't nearly as good, but it was a beautiful metal device that had a great display. But again, it started getting limited to carriers and the launch wasn't as clear. But that was, that's what that was. That was Microsoft going, hey, HTC, could you help us here? So HTC took one of their Android phones and then put Windows Mobile on it. And that's when he got onto this. That was the thing that Microsoft never really wanted to do. They didn't want Android phones that were just recycled uh, with Windows Mobile on them. They always wanted to have their unique ID. That's what the Windows button, they had to have the Windows button, if you remember. Like, they, you had to have these specific hardware requirements to make a Windows phone. And they were really trying to avoid that for a long time. And that's what that happened. So, I, I knew with McLaren being canceled, like, they're screwed. Because they don't, it would be like another year before they get another device onto the market. And that's exactly what happened. And then we eventually, that's when Windows 10, 10 Mobile came along. And we got the Lumia 950. And, and the design just went downhill from there. It, they were just bucking all these weird trends at this point. Lumia 920, solid unibody design, polycarbonate, weight of brick. And of course, now it's it's not even heavy by today's phone standard. It's the, that's a, I'll never forget that, how a lot of reviewers <laughs> are like, it's so heavy. Oh, my God. And today's phones weigh just as much, if not more, and no one cares, right? So this was just, apparently everyone was weak in 2012, and they got stronger. <laughs> I don't know. But, like, it also had no replaceable battery, right? Uh and now you look at the Lumia 950 and it's all plastic, like thin plastic. The shell, the back pops off so you can replace the battery right when everybody else is getting away from that. And um, it felt kind of cheap and plastically. And they're like, we're going to make our phone as light as possible. And it was just like, like, I don't know, everything was in the wrong direction for me. But And that's why I knew with McLaren, like, that was really the downhill. Uh, they just couldn't recover from that. And they didn't, you know. That's a good answer. Uh, and I actually loved that answer. So do you think then that Microsoft uh, designed, like we had Steve Litchfield on, on our show last week, and he was saying basically like the Lumia 950 and 950XL were basically Nokia phones just rebranded as Microsoft. But do you think Microsoft right. had too much design, say, in those phones and everyone had left uh, Nokia? Uh, well, my understanding yeah. is, yeah, from my understanding, they were Nokia phones. Um, the only thing I heard Microsoft did with them was like the heat piping and did some modifications internally a little bit. But the actual core designs were a Lumia portfolio. Um, I think the portfolio started getting thin at that time. I think they started losing a lot of talent at that time. Uh, you know, this is where I say, like, I feel like Nokia did peak with the 920, 1020, and 1520 series, and things started kind of going downhill after that. I didn't really care for the 930, also known as, what was that on Verizon now? Jeez, I forgot the, the name. Icon, the Icon? Icon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Icon, yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't hate that phone. It was just, it got more square and more rigid. Um it was still a quality device with an excellent camera. I did like the white version, actually. But like, you know, compared to 920, in the 1020 was really sort of like, that was the phone, right? I had a lot of friends that get the 1020 because that was just so radically different. And then the 1520, 
I'll never forget that was in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I remember when they announced that thing. I think it was Abu Dhabi. Was it thirteen twenty? I think they announced both at the time. But uh, I just remember seeing that. Like what, they're mad. That thing is way, way too big. It, it looks hilarious. And then I got it, and I was just like, "This is the best phone ever." And I had a couple of friends get the fifteen twenty. We were all diehards for that fifteen twenty. But after that, their designs just—I um, just wasn't into them as much as. And I don't understand why. There was something with every new series that they do. It was like, oh. 1520 if we're going to do a 1530 which it you know never did uh like they radically had to change the way it looked. And that's just not how we do smartphones now today, if you think about it, especially like Apple, right? Apple will ride the same design for four or five years almost with slight modifications. Samsung kind of does the same thing too. It's more about tweaking what you know. And the thing was, is like Lumia had like amazing designs in those 920s. It, maybe they could have made it thinner. Maybe they could have made it a little bit lighter. But they, I don't understand why the 920 or the 930 could have just been like a slightly thinner 920. 925 was also a brilliant design design that they just kind of really didn't continue on like they could just made the 925 add better processor and i would have been totally okay with that um but this idea of they had to reinvent themselves every time was just confusing i think for the customer and there was nothing to latch on to in terms of uh, design and they also released possibly too many phones right there was they really went crazy to 520 to 620 720 <laughs> it's just like uh it was almost a little bit overwhelming for people um so all right adrian all right on to me so do you believe that microsoft going all in with features at the uh i think it was the lumia 950 950 excel launch uh such as continuum contributed to the rapid demise of the microsoft lumia line in the eyes of everyday consumers i don't think continuum had that effect continuum was always like again it was kind of like 3d touch i think it was a cool thing people could talk about even if it wasn't necessarily that practical or adopted but it was a neat thing to have uh there and there was no side effect i really think in having continuum on your phone if you never used it right the problem in general with the Lumia 950, 950X, well, I, the pedestrian design, like I said, I wasn't, it wasn't a very inspiring design. It also didn't help that it didn't work well. And part of that, a lot of that was the software. Windows 10 mobile and Windows 10 for desktop by this measure were very incomplete on their launch. Uh, I remember when Surface Book came out and Windows Hello and they had, had trouble with Skylake processors from Intel and it was getting too hot. And you had this Windows Hello on the phone too, which is really cool, but it was like, it was a little bit problematic. Uh, and that was kind of, it was too many things. The hardware was okay, you know, but then the operating system wasn't good either. And that was really kind of the story of Windows Phone in general. Windows Phone 7 was really neat and it was just eye-catching, but it had limitations to it. I think they peaked with Windows Phone 8 and even 8.1 when Cortana came in and they were just doing a lot of crazy stuff. Like that was really the peak of Windows Phone for me. But then it went downhill with uh, Windows 10 where a lot of features were removed and they redesigned a lot of stuff and lost a lot of its charm. And I feel like the same people that were working on Windows Phone, especially Windows Phone 8 and 8.1, weren't the people designing and influencing Windows 10, which I believe came more under Terry Meyerson. You know, he came from the phone background. I don't want to necessarily blame Terry, but like it lost its charm. It became too austere and it just didn't work well. I remember the initial builds of it, you know, it was just like really, really rough. And when that happens, you're always, you have this tendency to be like, you know, they're like, we're going to release updates every month for this. We have a new update system and they kind of did, right? So you have this tendency to be like kicking the can down the road, like, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And it's like a slow thing. You're like, it's, it's slowly getting better, but it's, it never really got to the point it needed to. And that was a general story for Windows 10 for a couple of years, to be honest. That's what makes Windows 11 really interesting. It's out the gate. Windows 11 is actually really, really good. And it's not having these same issues. But so I think when you combine that, the, the, lack, the lack of interesting hardware and the fact the operating system just wasn't inspiring it wasn't faster. <laughs> it wasn't more fluid. Uh, it had a lot more potential, though. And that's what we were all keeping our eyes on the prize. Like, the potential here is amazing. It just never happened or happened way too slow. Well, Adrian, I think we have our headline moment. Daniel Rubino blames Terry Myerson for the demise of Windows Phone. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> Put that Terry's in the a title. great guy. <laughs> Terry's a good dude. But I, I am a firm believer in like... No, but I, I am a firm believer in having the right people and in the right places, uh, you know, for 
these jobs. And it, well, I don't work at Microsoft. I don't know all the insider baseball there. But I will say, you know, what's happened, you know, people blame Nadella for killing Windows Phone, which is nonsense. He actually let Windows Phone ride for an extra two or three years, told those teams, here you go, make it happen. And they didn't make it happen. Mm. And he eventually said, all right, we've got to kill it. But he did. His first task as becoming CEO wasn't to kill Windows Phone. Uh, it was absolutely, I've got this product. All right, make it. We're doing Windows 10 Mobile. Make it happen. We'll support it. And it just didn't work. It was only, was it three, four years later where they finally pulled the plug? So he's not to blame. You know, Balmer Gates is to blame for setting it up uh, for that to fail. But since Nadella has been on scene, I think he's put a lot of the right people in the right positions. He's elevated Panos Panay and his team. He's got a lot of smart people that, you know, what makes Panos Panay so good is like, I know the people he's hired around him are all very good at their jobs, whether it's Ralph Grain for design uh, or Steve Batchy, who does the display and some of the other technologies. Like, that's what makes a good leader. That's what makes a good CEO is being able to recognize the talent and raise them up. So Panos got raised up, built the more hardware, Surface has been going well, and then he has an eye for detail in building good teams. And they're like, all right, you take over Windows 10. And we got Windows 11. And so far, it looks like a home run. Uh, we'll have to see where it all goes from there. But I think, you know, this is sort of the problem with management back in the day under Balmer. And, you know, Balmer had some great ideas, but sometimes I don't think he had the right people in the right positions to make um, these decisions that needed to be made. And that's what we ended up getting. It's hard to know that when you're an outsider. It's hard to know that when it's happening. You know, at the time, Windows 10 seemed like it was a brilliant idea. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a more of a struggle than it should have been probably. Okay. All right, here's one for you, Daniel. So put your thinking cap on. What was your favorite part of Nokia tech? Oh, the, the, the technology that they did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously the cameras were a big deal, but... I think that's the easy answer. You know, the cameras were great. And they were great at a time. <laughs> I still remember talking about how great the Lumia 920s camera was. And you could shoot at night and optical image stabilization. And I, I remember people in the tech industry and just regular people like, who cares? You just use a regular camera. Who really shoots pictures at night anyway? And it was just such this apologist nonsense about, uh, you know, how this wasn't important. And it was only... it was. <laughs> It wasn't important right up until Apple became good at cameras and Samsung, which took them years to get there, by the way. I mean, Nokia was so far ahead in the camera game for such a long time. And everybody just kind of was like, yeah, who cares? It's not a big deal. It was nonsense. But really, it wasn't just that. What made Nokia's so cool was the whole package. The displays were fantastic. Like they did some very new display technologies, whether it was the two and a half curved displays or the adoption of OLED, uh, the touch sensitivity that they did on there. They also focused a lot on speakers. They also did the microphones, the high amplitude, was it HAAC mics, which I forgot what it stands for now. But I have video <laughs> from 2013 at concerts recording video of the band on stage and it sounded like I professionally recorded them because the microphones could handle that noise and filter it perfectly where everyone else is even today some phones still do this it's just it overwhelms the, the uh, microphones it's all garbled and static and all that meanwhile Nokia's are nailing it perfectly so you got all in Qi wireless charging one of the first companies to adopt that again I had to listen to Apple bands like oh who cares where are you going to find a chi wireless charger why not just plug it in you know even um it was a phil schiller i think from apple was like you still got to plug it in because you got to plug in the wireless charger so what's the big deal and like they made it, all these apologists came out with stuff and like oh apple is going to get it right but they're going to do it differently it's going to be way better they're going to have like charging that comes through the walls and it just like it, and it was all this magical thinking and then when apple did it, it was oh we got Qi wireless charging too. They did it five years later. Congratulations. Um, so Nokia works. was always just ahead. Yeah, and it just works. Uh, so Nokia was just always ahead of everybody seeing where this technology goes. Shoot, I have photos of a Nokia foldable display from 2013. Like they were experimenting with that stuff. Uh, 
So they were just, they were not only ahead, but they kind of knew where the market was going. Like when they tested their cameras, they're like, we want our cameras to work well when you're out at dinner at nighttime in a restaurant and hanging out with your friends. Like, yeah, that's when people go out <laughs> is at nighttime on a Friday, right? Like it makes sense. You want your camera to perform good on a Saturday night because that's, that's when you're going to use it. Not at home, you know, not during the daytime. You know, daytime, the Surface Duo does good daytime photography it's not hard to do right going out shooting a beautiful vista at 3 p.m any camera could do that but nokia already knew that that's where the industry was going so it was this whole package that they nailed with these devices uh they looked cool they had fun colors now i remember talking to nokia about this I'm like how do you pick out the colors they went to fashion shows and had connections with the fashion industry who knew what next year's colors were going to be and what everybody was planning for in fashion and that's the colors they were adopt and so they were very forward thinking about how they designed their their things and they i don't know they just merged everything well they also took a lot of feedback from users about what they liked and what what they wanted and stuff um and so it was, it was the whole package the camera is the easy thing in the sense of like picking out what nokia's are known for but it was the whole package that they always nailed that just made using a lumia 1020 just so cool um it was just a good phone overall you know so that's my answer <laughs> thank you I, I love that answer so um yeah, you're right too they had the whole package and too far ahead of their yeah. uh, time i think yep that's it so uh yeah we've come to this uh stage of the podcast so we ask this question to our guests every week what are sure. daniel rubino's top five nokia devices of all time ah oh, it's a good one <laughs> it's a tough one <laughs> Like, Do you still I remember them, like, Daniel? Like a, I know it's hard, you know, because I, it's I, I keep making this joke with people because people keep talking about Windows Phone with me, and for me, it's like an ex girlfriend. It's like I just want to forget. <laughs> like, I, it was a good relationship at the time. I, but it's just I want to get over it now. So, but if I, if you know, we have fifteen twenty. See, it's tough because the fifteen twenty obviously had compromises if you want to carry in your pocket. But I really loved the 1520. I thought it was just like um, this amazing merging. You know, I had a really good camera, had an excellent battery life. Uh, it was just cool. And once you went to that big screen, it was just like it, it changed everything because it just wasn't a phone anymore. It was like a tablet that you can carry around with you. And when you pull that thing out, people were like, damn, who's this guy? Um, but it was just a... It had all their technology in it. I love the design. I love the colors. I still have the monster green one, I called it. Yeah, um, I wish we had that in this country. It was AT&T exclusive, was it? Or? Yes, yep. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, I think, was it that one? I actually had my friend, Lance McCarthy. He was a, he's kind of an engineer, and he had, we hacked. It was the one with AT&T. So, again, here's a dumb AT&T thing. AT&T sold a 1520 without Qi Wireless. So what we ended up doing was I, I think I swapped, we swapped the shells out and he put Qi Wireless in mine, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, so 1520, I'm going to probably say is my first one. 1020, of course, is the second. 1020 is just a legendary device. I could actually easy, easily swap that for number one. But the 1020 was just, it, it was obviously easier to carry. I love the lanyard, actually. I'm a big fan of lanyards. Um, the shell that went with it to turn into a more of a pro camera was cool as hell. I have the scuba case for it. I've actually used this where you put into this plastic shell custom made for the 1020 and I went snorkeling with it. And I have photos and stuff done in the islands and you could take it underwater because it was that good of a camera. Uh, I love the yellow. You know, I had that one in yellow. That yellow with like a purple tiles was just like such a cool looking device. I loved how it was matte. It was matte yellow too. Um, and it just looked cool. I knew I had a lot of friends that had that. I knew a lot of girls that had that phone. I absolutely just loved it. Um, so number two, but that could easily be number one. Number three, uh, Lumia 925. I loved the merging of metal with the polycarbonate and how thin that device was. It was just, um, it felt amazing to use. It had a great display, had a really nice camera. Uh, it was just, that was Easily the most mainstream phone I could think of for people. It wasn't it was the right size. It didn't have a big goofy camera on the back. It looked like a normal phone. You got, when you picked it up, you felt metal on the size. It felt great, but it was still light with the polycarbonate. It was thin. Uh, that also was one of the first to have the always-on display, which was kind of a neat thing too. Another you know thing we, that was uncommon back then. All right, let's see. Oh, let me choose a, an odd one here. The Lumia 720. 
I love the 720. That was another cool tiny phone that was just uh, also in yellow I had. And I really liked using that in the way that just felt. Actually, the camera wasn't nearly as good, but again, if you're using it during the day, it was still a very good camera. Uh, so that would be my number four. Now, here comes the tough part, which is number five. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, what am I leaving out? The 930? No. Actually, the 920. I'm going to go with the 920 there, too. Because the 920, again, 920 and 720 could probably even swap places. The 920 was a legendary phone. The, the 900s are cool, even the 800. I actually still have the Lumia 800 behind me. I still play with it. Pick it up every once in a while because it's, it's amazing how tiny that phone is. Um shoot yeah i almost want to put the lumia 800 on there just because that was the first but um the 900 was a step back in some ways in design just the way that it, the display went with the bevel and the the edge was a little weird but when the 920 came out it kind of fixed all that they curved the display and it blended into the chassis better and that was really i thought like the ultimate design of nokia just because it was like nokia's are known to be tanks and indestructible have good cameras and that's what that phone was and again in yellow that thing was absolutely just awesome looking. So that would be my top five. It's a pretty good top five. It's a little bit surprising there. I thought you might have put the Lumia 520 on there. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> so the 520, I mean, so the 520 was historically super important. No doubt about that. In terms of my personal, but it was like, it was a budget phone. It was 99 bucks, right? It's hard to get excited about it. As cool as it was for what it was for $99, you know, when next to my 920, <laughs> like oh, I'm I always know. grabbing the 920, right? I know. And but, the 7 yeah, the 520 was underrated. definitely it really is. The 720, yeah. like, was just I thought it had a beautiful display on it. It was just, um, and for the price, it was just a great little phone. Yeah, it, so. it is all good memories. That was a good year. That was a very good year. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, all right. So, look, we've got I've got one bonus question for you, Daniel. So, and look, I we appreciate you coming on our little show. I know you've just spent two hours with Zach Bowden, which would kill anybody. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, bonus question is, is so if you're in charge of Nokia, would you have done anything different? Oof, that's a tough one, right? This, this opens up. I thought I'd fin- yeah, I thought uh, you'd the box. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, because well, we have so many different viewpoints of this, right? There are the people who are really mad that Nokia even went with Windows Phone, the burning platform thing, like, and are really bitter about that whole thing. They're bitter about Elop, uh, you know, his management style. And I can't speak to that too much only because, you know, I wasn't there and I don't know how he led things, but assuming you know nokia getting went with windows phone was the right choice i kind of think it was i think they were screwed either way i think they were sinking chips the windows phone chip was sinking a lot slower (laughs) you know and they had a chance they thought to be the dominant player there and turn things around and be a big partner with microsoft and i i see the allure there like that was a big, big decision for them. And I think that was probably the right decision, even if people didn't like it. What I would have changed, geez, I don't know. I feel like Microsoft, did, I, I feel like a lot of this wasn't Nokia's fault. <laughs> like, I feel like they did what they could with what they knew. I think a lot of the blame for Nokia's ultimate failing, which you know came down with Microsoft, was Microsoft. I think their acquisition just, I thought it was a bad implementation of it, uh, how they acquired them. I think their OS got worse, right? It's hard to defend Windows 10 Mobile. As much as I wanted to at the time, I saw the vision. I knew what they were trying to do, and I was on board with that. But it just was a step back when you're coming from Windows Phone 8.1. And so I don't think a lot of the things that Nokia... The only thing I could blame Nokia for was, as I mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, was why change the device design so radically between the series. I get like the 930 compared to 920, they look nothing alike. Um, I, the nine, and there's nothing wrong with the 930. They could have just called it something else, right? Like, but the, um, I feel like they just stuck, picked a design and kind of stuck with it uh, for each of those series. And it would have made it a little bit easier for customers and just iterate upon those. So that's the only thing I really would have changed. I think all the rest, they can't really be blamed for. I mean, that said, the um, you know the latest Lumias that came out, the last ones just weren't like I don't know what happened to that are designed to be at that point, but they they weren't good designs, so that didn't help the equation. But I don't think it would have changed anything either because the operating system itself wasn't very good. So, mm. all right. Well, thanks for that, uh, Daniel. I appreciate that answer. All right, Adrian's got one more final question, and it's a simple one for you, Daniel. So I think you'll get this one quite easily. <laughs> Sure thing. That's it. Where to find you? Where can the listeners find you on your socials, Daniel? 
That's it. Sure thing. I made this easy <laughs> years ago. It's just Daniel underscore Rubino, R-U-B-I-N-O. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. That's on Xbox. Uh, it's pretty much everywhere on social networks. Um, and I'm pretty active on Twitter. And like, if you tweet me, uh, there's a really good chance I'll respond to you too. Um, it's one thing I pride myself on. And if I go into comments, I really engage with the audiences because... Uh, I consider myself a part of the audience, right? I'm not one of these, uh, I try not to be one of these writers that are just like, I'm above it. There's my word and you have to listen to it. I love listening to what other people have to say. A lot of times because it's how I learn. So please, you know, message me if you want, if you have questions, if you thought I said something stupid here, let me know. We can engage in a conversation about it, but more than happy to. If you need more information or you want me to talk about more of this stuff, absolutely, I can uh, to do that. It's always fun. That's one thing I've always respected you for for a long time too, Daniel, is you, you do respond to uh, pretty much everything. So uh, I've always loved that about you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I mean, the community and the hardcore users are the fun one. They're the ones, and like I said, it's I learned so much from these people. I don't like to go in and be like, I know everything. Like, you know, being intelligent for me isn't the guy who knows everything. Being intelligent is knowing what you don't know. And that's where I love engaging with my audience. It's like, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And so I could just pretend I do, or I can make it up, or I could just be like, what do you guys think? And you tell me. And that's how I become a better person. So uh, I appreciate that. It's a, it's always fun. And these communities is what really makes all this worth it. You know, it's, it's fun engaging with people. It is. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap it up, Adrian. We'll go, again, Daniel, we do appreciate you do coming on our show, and uh, I know you, I know you have had, like uh, you know, a big long couple of hours with, with Zach, and I'm, and I mean that respectfully. I mean it's you, oh, no, you no, take, of course. You, yeah, you take time out of your weekend and everything else. So we do appreciate you coming on. So. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. I mean, I know you two guys have been involved with Nokia and covering all this for a long time. Uh, so I'm more than glad to, to join in. And you guys have had some amazing guests on recently, too. Again, people like, you know, like Tank Girl, who are just like, her knowledge of like, phones, everything that's just like beyond what I know, right? It's it's like Steve Litchfield, who cracks me up because his knowledge of cameras is just next level uh so you guys have put together a really good podcast here with some really great guests who just all bring amazing knowledge to this you know interesting and important history of this stuff so it's great oh, thanks for listening to our show too that's uh that's a nice new one for us too <laughs> it does it means a lot to us yeah. daniel so yeah it does no no it's i'm glad someone's documenting this stuff because <laughs> as you could tell i'm starting to forget it <laughs> so it's good that we get this on record now before my brain cells start to forgetting even more of this time period but it was an exciting and interesting time and you know i remember interacting with all those people and it's uh uh it was, it was good times so that's it so that's that's what we pride ourselves on this podcast you know it's just a a good place to for everyone to reminisce you know and you yep. know all the guests we've spoken to they've all got really good memories of the times and the people that they met at you know at uh launch events or you know other nokia associated yep. events so it's just a Fantastic place to be. Nokia always uh, had the best events. <laughs> they were just <laughs> they they were next level. It was always fun to to engage with them. So definitely. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Nokia Chronicles. Thanks again to Daniel Rubino for coming on to our little show this week. And uh, yeah, the listeners know where they can find us on our socials, and we have an Instagram page, Nokia Chronicles, if you want to check us out on there. So, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, might have another guest on, won't we, Justin? I think so. Maybe a couple. Maybe a couple. Yeah. Bit of a clue there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it. Um, thanks again to everyone for listening, and we will have another episode for you guys next week. So, have a good week, everyone. See All you right. later. See you later. Thanks again, Daniel. Not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care.